whether you can ever come back to this moment in history. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What do you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Well, I feel like I've got a few questions to answer since I am new. This is my first time at Pride 48. Thank you. And my first time on the network outside of the chat room, which I can't see, but I would love to acknowledge. It's been an awesome group so far this morning. Um, those questions are obvious. What is walk the earth? But to answer that question, I probably need to answer what is inappropriate conversations, because that's who Greg is. And when you hear people on other podcasts refer to IC underscore Greg, that's, that's me. That's the Inappropriate Conversations podcast. The uh, Inappropriate Conversations was built around the idea of saying we're not served very well, in, the, in America in particular. When people take politics and religion and enforce some sort of separation against them, like they cannot be forced to reconcile. And that reconciliation is not easy, but it's too lazy and we miss too many opportunities. When we take a pass and refuse to force these things to live up to their own expectations and kind of pe- force people back to reconciliation. And that's kind of what this show is going to be about today, because I'm going to share some words from a friend of mine who has come to terms with her own personal journey and her own sort of reconciliation of where she stands with her spirituality. And it probably connects with the concept of pride better than anything that I could share from my own personal experience. Uh, Walk the Earth was born from me realizing that I wasn't going to be able to talk about leaving the church that my wife and I and our kids had attended for 15 years uh, on inappropriate conversations. And there was probably no way I was going to not be able to talk about it. We left a church that had many problems, so I won't go into it. But when I left and realized we were going to have to go through this process of finding another church home as a Christian, that's what you do. You leave, you go find another church home. It wasn't going to feel like anyone I've done before. I wasn't just going to go to the the nearest church down the street from my same denomination or anything like that. And a friend of mine at work said, well, it's like Pulp Fiction. You're just going to walk the earth. I thought... That's it. And so we visited a ton of churches and we talked about it. And over the course of doing that, it raised questions for me. And among the questions, which I answered for the first time about a year ago, is, am I going to pick a denomination that has any problem with gay and lesbian membership? And the answer was a resounding no. Not a litmus test. I don't really believe in that. But to me, those doors have to be open and they have to be open fully and completely. Uh, Yeah. My family had a church where they decided to open those doors, but not to reading scripture, not to sharing a witness, not to singing in the choir. And that, in many ways, is more ridiculous than having your doors shut. There's a greater degree of dishonesty there. So it's not that there was no good in that church, though. The church we left behind, we played a really interesting role. And for me, the example I'll use today is being a Sunday school teacher. We were always very sensitive to what happens to people who are active in a youth group in a church and participating and then graduate. And for most people who have attended churches, you've seen this pattern. Uh, They go off to college, they never come back. But the pattern that I was seeing was even if they didn't go to college, even if they stayed in town, they still never came back because they were too old for the youth group and they were too young, I guess, for most of the adult classes. Nobody made a home for them. And part of the reason that for year after year after year, my wife and I refused to participate in any way in part of the youth program is that I didn't want to be part of a program where I couldn't answer people's questions honestly. 
if somebody who was a sophomore in high school came up to me and asked questions about their sexuality and what the Bible really said and whether it was okay, I was going to have my hands tied on what I could tell a 15 or 16-year-old. But you get me into that 19, 20 and up group, I can tell people the truth, which is what I like to do. So the person I want to share the words of today is named Jen. And she lives in Ohio and found herself about five years ago in a very serious relationship with a woman. Caught her by surprise. I'll let her tell the story here in a minute. And she decided she wanted to go through a commitment ceremony, that their, their relationship had grown to the point where they wanted to commit their lives to each other. But in the state of Ohio, you could only go so far. I think most people, especially in this room, realize that what the Supreme Court recently did at the very end of June has a lot to do with the state of Ohio. There was a barrier there that the Supreme Court you know, let down. The Supreme Court corrected a mistake, in my opinion. And they did so directly for the state of Ohio. So Jen reacted to that in a way that was incredibly emotional. And for somebody who had kept her private life so private for all those years, really opened up about it. And I immediately asked her, I said, hey, these are some powerful words. I know people who need to hear them. Can I share them? And, uh, and Jen said yes. So for the next few minutes, what I'm going to share are her words about her relationship. And I promise I will get back to the answer to the question on the other side of whether you can ever come back to this moment in history. So I'm just going to say this is very long, I warn you, Jen said. Firstly, I want to thank and honor all of you who have given your blood, sweat, and tears, and for some, their lives for this. We would not be here if it, if it weren't for you, and deeply, I thank you. Yet, I realize that there are some out there who are very upset, disturbed, and saddened over the recent ruling from the Supreme Court of the United States. I want to say, I get it. I really do. I was with you once upon a time. I felt that my religious convictions led me to an understanding that marriage was, as we know it today, only was by God's design to be between a man and a woman. I felt that was totally unnatural and completely morally wrong to do anything otherwise, I admit. And I, those of you who knew me, have known me my whole life, I was quite a zealot back in the day. I was pretty hard line. And so for people to say to me now that I'm not seeing their side is completely false. I was on your side. I argued it heavily. Then I got to a point where I could understand where it would be more comfortable to be with the same sex. But I still did not agree at all that it was by God's design. My religion taught me that. But as you go through life, you grow and you learn. And sometimes you have people in your life who gently point you, point out some things to you that you may not have thought of before. I had no idea what, what I was really saying back then. I, I had no clue at all what it really meant. I knew people who were gay, and they were a bit of a novel to me, to be growing up in my small town. I loved them, but I didn't agree. It was a novelty. And then one day, a dear friend's mother and I had a very, very long talk about the whole issue. She pointed out things to me that I'd never even considered before. She, was, she pretty much gave me a taste of my own Bible-beating medicine, but in a totally and completely loving way something I hadn't quite learned yet called tact. From then on, I really started questioning and researching and asking people and talking with people and not just accepting what I had been told, but really digging into my own life and the lives of those around me and searching my own soul. I wasn't sure about the whole thing, but it, I started seeing people as people and love as, well, love. 
And just because I didn't care for it in particular, that didn't mean they were scary or bad people, and I didn't really have a right to say whether or not they can love whom they love. So somewhere in this time, I had written out a list and sent it out to the universe, to God, to bring into my life a person with certain, certain attributes, things that were really important to me. I did this as part of a book I was reading about being a single Christian. Irony. And then I met Kathy. Now, this was out of left field for me. I had no idea I could even like another woman, let alone fall in love with one. Before I even knew it, my friends and family members had their eyebrows raised in wonder. And one day, I realized that I had completely fallen in love with a woman. Some say that God does not condone, condone this sort of behavior. I was one of those people. Well, let me tell you how I see it now. Not only do I believe that God has perfectly created this woman for me, I believe God placed her directly in my path. And do you know what? She just so happened to embody the entire laundry list of what a suitable, godly mate would look like that I'd made so long before. Every last word. My best friend pointed this out to me that I'd never even asked God for a gender. I was looking for the important things, same beliefs, same interests, likes me for me. And now, before I start hearing, oh, but you're being deceived by the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both struggled through that one together, being that we both came from very religious backgrounds. Let me tell you this. I have grown more as a person, and most importantly, more in my faith and spirituality, and have drawn closer to God in the time that I have known Kathy than at any point in my life previously. Why on earth would a devil want that to happen? Um, why would a devil want to put me in the path of someone who would challenge me to pray more, to be closer to God, to dig deeper into the Bible, and to learn about my own self and my own spirituality? That seems pretty counterproductive to me. And one of the things that I learned is that Love and commitment are so not what I thought. It is so much deeper, amazing, and at times downright freaking harder than I had ever imagined. And I know what people are saying. Well, why use the word marriage? Why take a Christian-sanctioned word and change it? Well, I challenge you to look deeply into the history of that word. I challenge you to, uh, you know, to look at what the, what the idea has meant over the years and throughout the world, because I sure was surprised. It has evolved over time, influenced by culture, religion, and the force of power. It has been used and abused in many ways. But we get down to brass tacks. I think we all know that what this particular word means today, here, now, is about the basic rights of two people who love each other and want to be afforded the same things their male-female counterparts are afforded. Good and bad. It isn't the final step. We have so much further to go. I would like to see a time when I don't have to be nervous about who knows what in a job situation for fear of being fired. I already know what it feels like to have people in that awkward uncomfortableness at work when I overhear very demeaning things said about people like me. I know how it feels to have people pity me because I was such a nice girl. I hope that hasn't changed. I already know what it feels like to wonder if we were going to make it out of a restaurant in a rural town in a different state 
without being harmed. I have lost friends. I've lost respect. I've been strained in relations because some, because I'm not equal in the eyes of some people. But I'm lucky. There are many throughout time and to this very day who have been beaten, killed, discriminated against, and some have even taken their lives just because, just because they happen to be attracted to the same sex. So yeah, I'm pretty damn lucky that I've only endured a fraction of what others have. And so I will keep moving forward until we all can be so lucky. So if you don't want to be a friend of mine, fine. If you think that I or we are still trying to push some sort of political agenda, fine. I am not here to change your mind. We are all on our own journey. I had to come here on my own with the help of some loving friends and the help of an ever-loving creator God who nudges me every damn day to act in love. I am here to share my own view on this whole thing from where I stand because, frankly, I am quite tired of seeing the hatred. I'm tired of seeing the subtle, subversive ways that people are covering their distaste. And I'm tired of the words I am hearing, words that I used to say to people, just like me, once upon a time. There aren't sides, folks. We are all human beings. We're all given this thing called life together on this planet we call Earth. And I, for one, am for love. I was created in love. And I want to be a beacon of love for it is the most powerful thing on earth. Jen. As people who listen to the show know, I, I'm having a hard time reading Jen's words without putting my feet in her shoes. And it isn't a Donna Sugar's kind of a comfortable fit. It's a struggle for me. Um, but... Uh, so I reached out to Jen, and I just wanted to make sure that she was comfortable, that I might be in a setting like this, or online on my own personal page, sort of sharing what she had to say. And, and uh, not only did I get the green light, I, I got a, a surprisingly good response, I would say. Because when Jen talks about being a bit of a zealot back in the day, she's not kidding. Uh, this Sunday school class I taught... I called it unscripted. So if you've got a, a mental image of Sunday school where there's either a Bible study or a book and people are following on, we ripped up the pages of that idea and marched on our own beat. My wife and I and another couple that we were close to led this thing, and we, would, we covered world religions, and not from the perspective of how do you evangelize and convert them, but simply how do you understand what other people think and what their, their faith and their creeds are. And I had people leave the class over it. That I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't fighting the good fight for the Christian army or whatever. And we covered heresies throughout history and kind of made sure that people understood kind of what the church is, where the church has screwed up and where they've had to course correct and get it right and lost people over it. And, and when we hit the book of Revelations, we lost Jen for a while. She wanted no part of, of me uh, offering an idea about Revelations that's different or inconsistent with what she'd already always believed. So it was funny. We lost the younger kids quicker than we lost the older people because this classroom was an interesting mix of 19 to 20 to 21 all the way up to people in their 60s because it turned out that if somebody was going to sit in a classroom and answer honest questions about the most difficult challenges that the world's facing, that the church faces and fumbles on a regular basis, that a lot of those older folks wanted to hear that too, that maybe in 50 years no one had ever answered their questions about the problem of pain or evil or you know, what do we mean by hell, or all that other sort of stuff, uh, things that pastors tend to gloss over. 
And one of the people who attended that church, on, uh, that classroom on a regular basis, was Jen's mom. Because her family, five plus years ago, was facing a real crisis. Jen and Kathy were going to do a commitment ceremony. It's all that all the state of Ohio would allow them to do at the time. They could not be married, but they still wanted to have the ceremony. And in my mind, you think about it, a young woman who has this opportunity, whether she's marrying a man or marrying a woman, probably has certain mythological concepts in her head, being walked down an aisle, having her parents there and her partner's parents there, and uh, having parents give them to each other, all that sort of thing that you think of in terms of, of wedding mythology. And Jim was in danger of losing that because her father was afraid to participate. Now, I'm being generous. Somebody who looked at this from the outside objectively might say that her father was threatening to reject her over her life choices. But I know the man well enough to say that it really was just being afraid to participate. He didn't attend my classroom. He never had a chance to ask me if he could go to hell because he went to his daughter's wedding. And I didn't get a chance to tell him, you don't have to worry about this. But his mother, her mother was in the class, and at one point she pulled me and my wife aside and said, hey, this is, this is going to be bad. Can you say something? You know, can you say something to Jen's dad? And I thought, well, you know, obviously I can. It's kind of who I am. Um, I, can say things, I can say things to people. Um, I told uh, my friends at work, I said, don't worry, there's no amount of money I could possibly win in Las Vegas that would stop me from coming back to work on Tuesday morning. I will be there. You know, and he looked at me, I said, I'm serious. You know, a million, 10 million, 20 million, I will be there. I may start telling people more truth than they want to hear, but I will be there. But the conversation with Jen's dad was particularly tricky because um, for me, the way I would normally share it is my own personal experience. And my own personal experience is that I feel I've heard an answer to prayer. And it sounds kind of paranormal and supernatural. I'm not going to share the story here. Inappropriate Conversations talks about it in past episodes. Number 79 and 80 probably does the best job. But what I heard was that I needed to stop being afraid to speak. I needed to share words like this. Uh, and the message was it's far better to say something that should not be said than not to say something that should be said. That if you, if you don't say the right thing at the right time, because you spoke clumsily and foolishly and used the wrong words, you got a shot at apologizing. But if you don't speak up and say anything at all, if you're one more person in the crowd making that other person feel like you agree with them because your silence is a validation, it is very hard to go back and fix that if something tragic happens as a result. But I couldn't share those words with Gary because I didn't want him to raise his hand and say he's going to say something that shouldn't be said in the middle of the ceremony. So at the same time convincing him that he had a role to play and he needed to participate, I also was going to encourage him to be quiet and just take in the moment. So what I did instead was address the answer to today's question, whether you can ever come back to this moment in history. And to me, the definitive answer to that question comes from my favorite movie, I'll be very surprised if it's a movie that other people in the room have seen. Now, favorite movie. I can't name one. Um, but my favorite, say, so a serious Oscar-nominated type movie is the 1981 film Reds. I've seen it more times than I can count. I'd watch it again tomorrow, except I'm busy. i got other plans. i got a lot of podcasts to watch, to watch live. But there's a moment where a character named uh, Gregory Zinoviev has a conversation with the principal title character, John Reed. Now, 
John Reed has already gone to Russia and chronicled the revolution and written his book, Ten Days That Shook the World, and published it and been phenomenally successful. And in the semi, semi-fictional version of the, of the film, he's gone back to Russia to see this new thing form. And in Reagan's America 1981, it was very important to John Reed see the folly of his ways and see that this Russian thing was never going to turn, the USSR was never going to work. And when he has that moment, he decides he's going to leave. But this character, Zinoviev, played by Jerzy Kosinski, he's a very good actor and also a very good writer. He, he wrote the uh, novel and screenplay for the Peter Sellers uh, story being there. So he's got that kind of delivery. He's, he, there's a, there's a, a sincerity about him that's sort of underneath the surface. And he pulls John Reed aside and he says, you know, you can always return to your personal responsibilities. But you can never come back to, to this moment in history. You can never come back to this moment, sorry, to this moment in history. And that's what I told Jen's dad. Now, I have neither the time nor the information to tell you the rest of the story. I don't know how well that ceremony went. Uh, We were uh, not part of the invited list, and that was fine. And I don't expect to get an invitation to the wedding. But I think there's going to be a wedding. And if this question comes up again, I'll give the answer even more forcefully. You can never come back to this moment in history. How do you apologize to your daughter and her wife ten years from now when you finally wake up and you finally learn what the rest of us learned so long ago? I believe that the church is going to have a real radical moment here in the next few years. And a lot of the pastors who've spoken the most politically angrily are just going to, we're just going to have to ignore them. But there's other, oh, we're coming out of the closet, yeah. <laughs> but there are others who I believe are going to be suddenly having this moment of awakening where they're going to say, hey, you know, we were championing this thing all along. We were there at the moment that the, uh, the world took a turn and recognized that equality meant equality. And I think I'm going to have a hard time smiling and nodding through that. I'm going to have a hard time not playing the tape and reminding them how wrong they were. But um, I'll cross that moment in history when I get there. For me, the main thing was getting to this moment in history and realizing that I simply had to be here. And if I was going to be invited to share a little bit from Big Fatty and from others, that this was the story that I had to tell. So next on Walk the Earth, something I usually do after we play the theme music, but this time I'm going to do it before, just because I feel like I'm probably speaking to, in some cases, an audience that has never heard me speak before. And he caught me at a really interesting moment. But next on Walk the Earth, the pre-planned question for September is whether pagan influences or appropriation is an issue in secular or even religious holidays. Thanks for listening. Good news is I have time. So... Yeah, I, I, I am not opposed to answering questions. Uh, one of the thoughts I've got is whether or not I could do inappropriate conversations as a show in the future, and that's an hour long, still an audio blog format. It wouldn't work. I would have to have questions. I'm very open to questions. I'm also open to sharing a little bit about what Jen shared with me when I wrote to her on Facebook and asked her permission. But Taffy's here. Hey there. Hey. There are few people in the world that I could listen to read a phone book. 
You just want to listen to every word they say. You probably should have been a preacher on the world stage because I could have sat there and listened to you just literally read off anything you wanted to and just been like, so well done on your first birth into Pride 48. Well done. Oh, thank you. I I do not do this live, and I'm, I was aided greatly by the fact that that Jen provided a heck of a lot of the words. Uh, yeah. Somebody asked me, a friend in Toronto, host of the Nerd Hurdles podcast, asked me once uh, when we were at a meetup, he asked, do you write it all out? And I wrote a heck of a lot more this time than normal because Jen did it for me. But normally I don't write it all out. But occasionally there's things that simply have to be read to get them, to get them right. And, and you know, this was one of those moments where I, I can't speak for her. And again, um, I think from a Pride 48 perspective, we would love to see more people visiting and attending and participating in podcasting who are speaking from a distinctly lesbian perspective. That would be a big win, would it not? Yes. So um, I wrote Jen, and Jen said, hey, thank you for your kind words and, and really for all that you do. I never did get a chance to thank you for standing up and speaking your mind one day long ago while we were at the church we both left behind. Secretly, I was going, yes, yes, thank you, but only in my head. And yes, I probably waited too long to leave that church as well. Uh, but life moves as it does, and we may never know when the, why the timing is the way the timing is. But I'm thankful to know you and proud to know someone who's not afraid to speak up about what we strive to be and, and try as we will to follow the teachings of Jesus, even if it's in another format. I don't necessarily prescribe to the organized church as I had before, but I do try to follow the example that Jesus brought to us. Leaving Jen's comments for a second, I'm not the least bit surprised that so many people have left the organized church as we know it. Um, there are very few groups that I participate in who make a point of letting me know that, that, I, that they don't want me there and I don't belong. Let's do the math. And if I were part of a church that let anyone in this room know that they didn't want them there and they didn't belong, then well, let's just put it this way. Two or three of us aren't going to be gathering in Jesus' name that day because I'm going to go with the people who've been asked to leave. So uh, Jen said, I'm so very happy for your work and having an entire outlet dedicated to pointing out some very needed ideas and food for thought about Christians and the church as a whole. I always smile when I come across your headlines on my news feed. She also took the time to thank uh, Cheryl for the role that she plays. Uh, you know, her, She was closer in age to our kids than she is to me. So you had that interesting thing where part of being willing to reach out to that 20-something group when I was pushing 40 is that at some point you look around and you realize, wow, these, these people are like three years older than, than my daughter and maybe five or six years older than my son. It's weird to have that kind of a good relationship you know, as it stands. But I also took a lot of comfort in the fact that people like her parents were also sitting in there as well. To let you know how weird that classroom was, one of the things we did for three weeks in a row, I believe, was watch the movie Saved together. So you got this classroom in church where in 25-minute chunks we're watching parts of the movie saved and talking about it. And I mean uncut, unscripted. The worst thing that was going to happen is somebody in the church was going to ask me to stop being a teacher, and I was going to say, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) One more hour I can walk my own walk on the earth and not be trying to shepherd another group of people who, um, you know, what a strange group of people that it was. So the, uh, the other thing that I will share here then is that you know, two years ago on Inappropriate Conversations, I recorded podcast number 128, Proud to Know You, and put that out as a manifesto to say there is going to be a Pride 48 event live in Las Vegas that I am going to attend. And I always joke that my friends tell me that I'm not just a planner. What I do for a living qualifies as being a planner. I'm really more of a plotter. I, I have a longer play than that. Uh, it seems like it took two full years to get to this point. 
But what I was wrestling with that whole time was this notion of I can't say that I'm comfortable walking in both circles, still being active in the church, attending every Sunday, and still being actively participating in groups like Pride 48 and on simplysyndicated.com if I don't darken this doorway too. What does it mean if I go to church on Sunday but wouldn't come here? Are you really walking in both circles? If you're not rubbing elbows or exchanging hugs, I, by the way, am not the one that Vera was talking about earlier. But uh, <laughs> so, but it, it, you've got to be there for it to mean something. It's got to be genuine, it's got to be real, and it's got to be authentic. And I hope to bring that topic up in an interstitial later on in the weekend. Are we good? What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine are all shapes and sizes. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions.